engagement and entertainment, particularly, you know, in the COVID, post-COVID world, where Netflix has taken over, you know, people's viewing habits. Zoom has now become the way that we communicate. People want things faster, better, more engaging, more something that's going to keep them tuned in. What do events, news, and culture tell us about how to be more effective at training and communicating? Whether you're in compliance, HR, risk, or general management, effective and ethical leadership requires two things, a consistent, dependable process, and eight specific mindsets that keep you real and salient to your audience. Welcome to the Eight Mindsets Podcast. I'm Jason Meyer in Princeton, New Jersey. And I am Nicole Rose with a cold in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> and thanks, Nicole, for, for hanging in there today. Well, I had to let people know because they might think this is how I normally speak. But look, you want to do one of these things uh, on, on the clock and, and, uh, and every week, then this is what it's all about. So look, we try to make this podcast the same way we make our training, with the audience as our number one focus, and that means you. Uh, so we do things like pre-frame our issues, follow a predictable format, and to make sure this is relevant for you, we will leave you with specific actionable steps that you can take as a compliance, risk, HR, legal, or ethics professional. And we also promise to give you a fun reward for sticking around. We'll wrap up with our compliance anthem of the week. So this time, and and Nicole, I'll I'll, I'll uh, uh, I'm gonna I'll dominate a little bit here to to save your voice. This time on the podcast, we're gonna begin a multi-part look at training and education about bribery and corruption. What we in the trade call ABC training, anti-bribery and corruption training. Uh, but the question is, how do we make it more salient and more engaging to our audiences? This, you know, this almost ubiquitous con- uh, training content. And we're going to start in in this episode by asking, what is clearly not working? Uh, should we be thinking about thwarting corruption, or should we be thinking about promoting fairness? And Nicole, there was, you know, we always start off with with some event in the news, and there was one that that you saw that you told me about last week that I just thought really set this topic off. Yes. So Jason, um, just before we launched this discussion with our cohorts, there's an article that came out um, and it was actually a very opportune time because we're coming in at the time we're coming up to Wimbledon and it was Russian tennis player, Yana Sizikova. Um, And look, she was arrested for sports corruption and fraud. And the reason I thought this was a particularly important topic to talk about is because when we talk about bribery and corruption, we often talk about what it means for organisations, we talk about government officials, we're talking about the really big crimes, um, but they seem kind of out of reach. But when we think of sports, when we think of people going up to the top level, we think about, like, as a parent, I think about, you know, all the games that we drive them to, or, or sorry, all the matches that we drive them to, all the discipline that they have to go through, all the expectations, you know, they give their life to the sport. So whether it's true or not, and I'm not saying this is true, and we are not here to investigate, we're just here to, to discuss what's been reported. But when you hear about match fixing and sports corruption, 
and fraud, that kind of doesn't make you feel okay. And I think that does something that's really important when it comes to bribery and corruption, or indeed, you know, any kind of fraud, which is how do you relate it to people rather than just to, you know, something that might happen to some organization, but probably not me. So I love the idea that when we, well, not love, but I think it's important to express a concept like bribery and corruption using the terminology of fairness and what's right and just really bring it down to I guess the human experience which is is what I think is so important to talk about and and she got she got like arrested early in the French like she there she is in the French Open you know one of the majors and and she gets arrested for corruption but part part of what 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 appeals to me about sort of immediately dropping in this this sports corruption this instance of sports cheating um when we're talking about sort of, you know, good old traditional anti-corruption training, um, there are a lot of things that appeal to me about it. And, and, and I think you've, you've gotten it at one of them anyway, which is, uh, you know, one of the things we heard from our cohort is sometimes the reason people are engaging in things like corruption in sales, the corruption in business is they feel like the, you know, sort of the deck, the world is stacked against them and they have to cheat to be fair. In other words, to create a fair world, they justify to themselves. Um, they need, you know, they need to make up for the unfairness they're facing okay. as they cheat. But, you know, there's something about sports where I don't really hear people think that way. It's sort of, you know, if, if you were, uh, you know, if you were a baseball hitter and it's like, you know, well, uh, look, I, I just can't pick up the curveball coming out of the pitcher's hand. So I have to have someone, you know, I have to have someone signal to me when they've stolen the signs and they know a curveball is coming. People wouldn't accept that. And I was like, no, yeah. you're cheating, right? So there's, yeah. there's something so <laughs> fundamental about, about cheating in sports appealing to our mm-hmm. sense of fairness mm-hmm. that, that I think that sort of cuts through the noise. It's, you know, to, to me, it's like, it's not too lofty. It is not some complex legal structure, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I don't have to understand what facilitating payments are. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's an everyday topic that everyone deals with. And also it's a relatable character. We're not talking about like some mega CEO. We're not talking about something that happened in a massive multinational company. That, and I feel like that never relates to me as a, let's say, a rank and file worker for a, a smaller firm. Kind of the message from this sports arrest is, hey, you know, anti-corruption enforcement happens to real people. Real people like me and i think that uh that relatability that real world sense of things that sense that it could happen to me are all characteristics that that are missing too frequently from what i think of as traditional corporate uh and i bribery and corruption training um and that kind of that kind of brings us to our point for this particular episode i mean that when I was thinking about ABC training, I thought, you know, it's it's like the old saying about the weather, you know, uh, everybody complains, but nobody does anything about it. Um, but, you know, un- unlike the weather, which we can't change, um, the, those of us within the sound of my voice, we can change anti-bribery corruption training. That's what we're doing here. It is within our power to do something about it. Um, and, and that's what we want to explore over the next over the next several episodes of this podcast, uh, we we have some other subject matter experts that 
got lined up to uh, to interview and share that with you. We want to talk some about uh, about some positives. Um, I would say our cohort and our discussions uh, with our with our eight mindsets cohort, our leaders from around the world that we speak to, sort of off mic, uh, yeah. and then and then share their ideas with you. Um, we heard some great ideas from them on some things they've heard work in anti-bribery training and approaches they're taking. And in fact, we heard so many good ideas. We're going to take one episode and just devote it to sharing those ideas with you. Um, but but uh, what we'd like to do with this episode is to kind of get our gripes off our chest. Like, let, let's <laughs> let's start by unloading. Uh, before we get into the positive steps, starting with the next episode, you know, let, let's hit our pet peeves uh, and things that we have seen just not work in ABC training. Um, and Nick, like what, what comes to mind? What are the things that for you just drive you nuts? Oh, look, the click mouse, e, you know, e-learning that talks about the FCPA, the Bribery Act, or whatever act that they're talking about, and will be highly legalistic. Um, and we'll have kind of the usual stock characters in it with the usual scenarios that are so black and white that people look at it and go, oh, yeah, and roll their eyes. Um, and it's it's just not palatable. <laughs> it's just not palatable. And and the reason that I think this doesn't work and nowadays in particular is I think you could have got away with that even 10 years ago. Yeah. I reckon he could have got away with it. But the experience of people now is so much more about engagement and entertainment, particularly, you know, in the COVID, post-COVID world, where Netflix has taken over, you know, people's viewing habits. Zoom has now become the way that we communicate. People want things faster, better, more engaging, more something that's going to keep them tuned in. And I don't think it keeps people tuned in. So I think it's kind of like the lazy way of dealing with a topic that is actually could be far more personal and far more relatable if you do it right. And I'm really excited about what we're going to be offering over the next few weeks, because I know that we've got in particular one of the guests who's coming on the show. Um, I'll be talking to her about some of the work that we we actually did together to really make bribery and corruption personal to people. And kind of, I'd love to show the difference between that and the other things that, you know, you and I, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, um, have seen over the past few years. So gripe number one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, uh, and anti-corruption is definitely an area where one size, you know, the one size fits all training. I have, a course, uh, mm -hmm. it's on the long side. Everybody takes it. Yeah. Uh, even even saying, well, everybody in the sales organization takes it. You know, I I think we have to conclude at this point that that approach is clearly off. There's there's a level of detail that some people really need in their roles, and that other people clearly do not. And yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm a bit of a broken record on this point, but when you take people's time in training and communications to tell them information they flat out do not need and will not find a use for um, is not merely inefficient. It is teaching that learner to ignore what you're saying, teaching that learner mm -hmm. that you don't understand their job, 
and you don't care about their time. And that taints everything else you try to do within your program. And and to me, and I bribery and corruption is an area where, you know, again, there there are look, there are people who really need to know the ins and outs. Um yep. and then there are people who just need to know, look, this is an issue and keep your eyes open for it. You know, you may you may not hit it. Uh, but it's a large risk for the company. We want to at least make sure you're aware of the risk. And then we're going to move on. And and we don't need to burden you anymore. Um, I'm also going to just raise one, I guess, competing point um, that I have seen. Um, and that is when you are dismissive of certain employees to say you don't need this training because you're too genial. And I have experienced this before. Um, when I've had a remit by a company to deliver some training, but only deliver on these topics, but don't deliver on those topics. And I've actually had staff come to me and say, why aren't you talking to us about actually bribery and corruption, about how it relates to the organization? And they said, we actually want to know what's happening. We want to know the good and we want to know the bad. Um, and it actually matters to us, even though we're not involved in this. Um, and in situations where the company think it could arise, we still want to know. So I think another, um, I guess, I, I, I guess um, disappointment that learners might have about bribery and corruption training or, or similar types of training is when they're not given the opportunity to actually learn and know about a topic if they were interested. And I think it's also a pre-framing because I think there's, the difference between saying, I'm going to teach you, I want to tell you something, you have to know this, you have to do your training because everyone has to know this, as opposed to there are some things that impact the organization. They might not impact you today, but who knows? One day you could be a manager, you could be standing in my shoes. So I want to tell you this now. But the difference between pre-framing it and saying it like that, as opposed to I'm telling you you need to do this now, I think is a very big difference. And I think you can use that as an opportunity to empower people. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks, you know, that we talk about the mindset of a program executive, yeah. which is, which is you need to think about not merely sort of sending yes. messages down one stream, yes. but having a blend of information. And that's a, that's a place where, you know, the approach may be, you know, look in our, in our general training, like let's say in our code of conduct training or our annual overview training, um, you know, we can we can mention risks like corruption and we can point you to places to go if you want to know more and then we yeah. can make that on demand learn and yeah if you're yeah. in the foreign if you're yeah. in the foreign if you're in the overseas sales team no i'm going to assign you something else as a mandatory exercise um uh but i haven't told other people ignore it i've told other people this is where you go for more information but i'm not going to force you to spend more of your valuable time on a topic that yeah. that may not be relevant to you. So I'll, I'll offer one other one other pet peeve on this kind of trip. Um, and, and I titled this sort of like, you know, uh, who's the lawyer and who do you want to be the lawyer? You know, yeah. are, are you the lawyer? Is the general counsel's office the lawyer? Or did you really want your learners, your rank and file to be the lawyer? And I say that because to me, so much of traditional ABC training He's like really, really gets into the weeds of like, you know, uh, I keep, you know, um, 
you know, let's define the different categories of uh, of foreign officials, right? Let's define the different categories of bribes. What does it mean to give anything of value? You know, and I'm starting to quote statutes and stuff like that. Um, yeah, sure. There's a level of detail that that some learners need from that, but but my feeling, it sort of this gets to my pet peeve. My feeling is always like, I don't want like rank and file. Let's say salespeople. I don't want my salespeople making legal decisions about what is and is not within the area of the statute. I just want them to realize they've crossed into the gray area and they need to ask somebody like the lawyer. Um, and I think when we when we overly arm people with legal detail, um, either we're risking confusing them um, or boring them or giving them license to make up their own workarounds and uh, and avoidance techniques. We're we're giving them a license. And to me, I like I know of I know of a lot of companies that for instance don't even mention facilitating payments in their training. Because they don't even want to raise the possibility that there might be some kind of payment that's okay. Right? It's like no, you get into this world where you might write a check, you got you got to go work it out. And we might figure out like legal might figure out no you know what this is actually is a facilitated payment it's fine you know you're being asked to pay a governmental fee and it's a proper governmental fee and that's great but why am i taking the time away from the team to try to give them a deep understanding of that difference when i actually don't even want them making that decision i just want them to know they've crossed into a danger area and now we'll have a conversation about it and and so loading too much law into these courses is definitely a pet peeve of mine. So Nick, I do have a question for you. Yes. Um, which is, I, I've, I've seen some courses try to tap into the so-called human cost of corruption. Mm -hmm. What we we're talking about originally with like the tennis story. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 by, and try to get away from this being sort of like something you, you know, one problem with anti-corruption training that I think the industry well knows about is uh, you want to avoid it being sort of like, why are we doing this? Because the law says so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you want to give some bigger reason why you're why you're avoiding this. And often courses try to tap into that by talking about like the human cost. Like, you mm -hmm. know, well, corruption led to this bridge being built badly and the bridge collapsed and people died. That's yeah. like a that's a real story that I have seen used in courses. Do you think that kind of approach works in terms of helping learners understand Look, that, that this area of compliance is about them? So it would work if they live near the bridge. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, it would, look, it, it would work. Mm -hmm. But if they didn't live near the bridge, this is what I think would work better. And this is certainly how, and I guess this is kind of a, a great personal learning right. moment as well, is that when I, when I do facilitated training so not e-learning but virtual face-to-face -face training one of the first things i ask people to do when it comes to bribery and corruption is i talk them through a story and i tell them it's not a true story i used to add but i tell them a story about um a kid um and in fact i sometimes get people to act it out but the kid um comes home to his mum and says mum i can get 90 percent in this exam, I just need your help. 
And mum says, well, no, that that's cheating. And the kid says, yeah, but I can get into that really, if I, if I pass, and we all know this, I can get into that school. <laughs> and we all know, by the way, <laughs> that this um, is actually based on true events where people went to prison. Um, I think somebody from Desperate Housewives went into prison because of this. Right. But the point of this is right. you want to Mom, bring it just home. just tell them I'm a tennis star, right? <laughs> just tell them exactly. But, but the point is you want to bring it home to people. Um, which is what I always try to do. And so what if a kid did come to you and say that? You're going to say it's not okay. And the kid comes up with some really, really, really great arguments about his or her future and how it's going to improve their future. You're still going to turn around and say it's not okay. Why? Why is it not okay? Because right now it probably is okay. You could probably get away with it. We know that in the future, you can't get away with it. You can never go back from doing that, ever. You've got to look at yourself in the mirror every single day and know that you cheated. And even if you got away with it right now, and even if nobody figured it out, you would always know that. And you've got to live with that. And that's kind of, when I think about bribery and corruption, I think I'm not saying that is the only way to train it. And that's just a starting point, by the way. But I yeah. like the fact that it goes to the ethics and morals and how how do we want to do business? How do we want to turn up and show up in the world that we work in, the world that we live in, the world that we play in? Like, I don't want to take anyone else. Like, I love writing, Jason. I love drawing. I don't want to use anyone else's work. I want to use my own. Like, I get really, I, I love it when I use my own work and when I credit other people. Like, that's kind of cool. Um, if I copied someone else's work, I wouldn't feel so good about it. So I kind of, I think, I think getting down into that kind of level of I guess human responsibility is 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 a useful tactic and probably a little bit more relatable than the bridge won't you know the bridge and, mm-hmm. the bridge which 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 you just you're a bit far removed from it so you can mm-hmm. use it but don't use it as the overriding factor right. to try and get the if, if my workers are sitting in St. Louis and the bridge is in uh you know it's in the Czech Republic Berlin yeah yeah Right. Yeah. Um, So, so, you know, I said at the beginning, we try to use a predictable format so people know where it's coming. Part of our predictable format is that we always try and summarize by offering you three learning moments, one about training and one about compliance and one that's personal. And and Nick, I think what you just told us about counts counts as the training and personal because of that, that personal moment of like, boy, I really want my kid to get to school and, but what message is it sending? So I will, I will offer the compliance learning moment to go with, with those two. Uh, and we'll, we'll consider that, that particular format, uh, box check. The, to me, the compliance learning moment is that, that you are touching on is we need to understand that there is an inherent contradiction underlying anti-corruption and anti-bribery training. Um, we need to understand that contradiction and we need to address that contradiction explicitly. And the contradiction is basically all of the things going on in the company that are about hitting our numbers. And then there's anti-bribery, right? If you're a salesperson, you are inundated constantly with the message, we have, you have, a, we have a number to hit and you have a number to hit. And in fact, you're in sales. Because you love that game, right? People who stay in sales as a career love keeping score. They love having a number and they love beating the number. That's what their lives are about. And then suddenly for an hour a year, 
we interrupt and say, oh, but uh, don't engage in bribery and corruption. There is an inherent contradiction in that message. And I think we have to be explicit about that. And we have to say, and this takes us back to the idea of the sports analogy, right? It's like, that is, that is not how we play the game. And I think we have to be, so the, the phrase that always occurs to me is, there are sales we know you could get that we do not want. And, and I think we, you know, I think as a compliance and training learning moment, we have to be just that explicit about it. We know you could get it. We don't want those sales. We do not play the game that way. Um, and, and if you're not explicit about that contradiction, then you risk people thinking you're being hypocritical uh, in order to check a box that somebody else wants you to check a box. Um, but think about the Wells Fargo, you know, the well-worn Wells Fargo example and how that message was missing. It's like, we want you to generate new customers, but there are limits. Um, and you always have to keep in mind that message about the limits. I think that's just yeah. such an important point. There are countless examples. Um, and it is so important that there is a consistent, consistent theme and messaging. Um, and it, it does go back to, you know, the, the organization that we are and um, the values and our culture. You need to bring it back to the values. So we're going to wrap things up with your three action items to take away and the compliance Ooh. anthem of the week right after a short break. So Nicole and I believe something, and we believe it deeply and personally. We believe that to be effective in compliance and ethics training, HR training, communicating with teams, those kinds of things don't require a lot of money. And they certainly don't require constantly pursuing and adopting the newest fancy technology. And you can't do it completely by outsourcing. No, if you want to be audience-centric, truly salient, you just have too many constituencies, too many messages, and too many channels to fill by turning only to outsourced providers. You simply have to do it yourself. You have to DIY. But be calm. All that requires are two things, a consistent and dependable approach to making things and the right entrepreneurial mindsets. And so our initiative called Training Hats is offering our Entrepreneur Plus program. It features weekly coaching sessions, regular personalized mentoring, access to production workbooks and templates, easy tools and technologies. It is a whole program by which you can learn by doing. Nick and I are convinced you can make a lot of your organization's training and internal communications yourself, and you can be more cost-effective and more change-effective by doing it yourself. So take control, gain confidence, and then speak for yourself. Let Nick and I show you how. The details are on the Training Hats website. Okay, let's wrap it up. The training and communications mindsets we recommend begin and end with being entrepreneurial and doing things yourself to be more cost-effective and more change-effective. And in that spirit, here are your three action items for the week ahead. Put these on your to-do list. Nicole, do you have one? Yes, absolutely. So the first action item would certainly be speak to your audience personally. Speak about what matters to them. Not about what matters to you, but what is going to hit home for them. 
that was relevant for them. Excellent. Be audience. You know, that's the way to be audience centric in this world. Um, and, and, and to me, the second action item is focus on what is the objective. Uh, and by that, I mean, what is it that each audience member, each category of audience member needs to know versus what they need to know to ask about and style your training to that. So it's that, it's that next level analysis. All right, I'm talking to this particular audience. What is it that they, they have to completely understand and what is it that they merely need to know this is something to ask about? And then the third action item I would recommend is get over yourself. Look, mm-hmm. anti-bribery and anti-corruption is endlessly fascinating to those of compliance. I can think of entire books, publications, podcast series completely devoted to the world of the FCPA. Um, we are so in the weeds in this stuff. No one else is interested in it as we are, right? <laughs> um, we can be wonks and nerds to ourselves. That doesn't mean we have to subject our audiences to it. Um, this kind of goes along with remembering the objective. Just r- remember, this is not interesting to almost anyone else. And we've <laughs> got to really keep it salient and focused and get over ourselves. So those are our three action items of the week. And finally, Nicole, that brings us to our compliance anthem of the week, our little our little uh, upbeat ditty. Go home, play this to yourself. Maybe play it in the car on your way to work if you're now going into work uh, or play it uh, as you get ready to sit down at your desk in your home office to, to keep yourself pumped up about your compliance week ahead. And you have a pick this week. You you picked yes, Superwoman I do. by Alicia Keys. I did. So tell I... us about it. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Civil Woman by Alicia Keys. So, firstly, it's a great song. It's worth a listen. But it's actually got a great tool for our quest for ethical leadership and integrity. So, Alicia sings from her perspective as a woman. But, look, I think this sentiment applies equally to both men and women. And this is what I love about it. She says, look, everywhere I'm turning, nothing seems complete. I stand up and I'm searching for the better part of me. I hang my head from sorrow, state of humanity, I wear it on my shoulders. I gotta find the strength in me because I am, and this is the point, I'm a superwoman. And look, you know, we can be a man or a woman, but you could be a superwoman. And then she says, even when I'm a mess, I still put on my vest with an S on my chest. Oh, yes, I'm a superwoman. And look, Jason, I just love the idea of, you know, putting on our, the S on our chest. Um, and just when the chips are down, we're really wearing this. We're wearing this S and we're letting it give us strength. It's just such a uplifting and inspiring song, but also one about character and ethics. So that's my compliance anthem for the week. And I do yeah, believe. I, I, that, I love that. It's, yeah. I was going to say that you've added it to the Spotify pay- playlist. I do. We maintain a, a list, playlist on Spotify <laughs> of all our compliance anthems. It is predictably called. Compliance Anthems of the Week by Training Hats. That's the name of the podcast of the Spotify playlist. The links to it are in the show notes. There's a bunch of good tunes there, and I, I really love, I love, I love the idea here that that what I do, you know, when I'm looking for strength, I just look to my role, right? Um, yeah. You know, what do superheroes do? They save the day. What's my role? Look, this role I, you know, role I have a compliance that is the S on my chest, and I will use that for my strength. So. Take that idea with you. 
Um, and and we look forward to talking to you next time. Look, uh, we're going to have more on anti-bribery and corruption training in our next couple of episodes. We're going to talk about making that training more salient and more engaging and audience-centric. In short, how to make that training more in keeping with the eight mindsets. Um, we'll move from what to avoid to what to do. We're going to talk to some great subject matter experts, and we'll share ideas and innovations from our eight mindsets cohort. So I hope you will join in. Um, we put a lot of faith in the ideas and leadership of the Eight Mindsets cohort, uh, our group of leaders around the world in compliance and HR, risk and legal, who like having these conversations. Consider joining us for those cohort discussions. For more information on that, go to trainingheads.com. And also at the website, there are materials and resources to support you to produce your own effective and learner-centric training, or to have us help you make that training. And you can find out how you can be among the professionals that we're proud to coach and mentor. The 8 Mindsets Podcast is a production of the Training Hats Initiative. Copyright 2021 Create Training, OTD and Lead Good LLC. All rights reserved. And that's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jason. See you soon.